So, you ready? I think so. Okay. Hey, Caitlin. You're here, too. What is, are you just recording? Yeah, you, Caitlin told me, is, you told me this was going to be Okay. I have nothing to contribute to a sports conversation. All right. You say that now, you might surprise yourself. Yeah, that's kind of BS. She ran a 5K this year, killed it. And she's wearing a shirt for a 5K that she she's she's wearing a shirt for a 5K that she sponsored during the pandemic. Like she was like the lead sponsor on it. Yeah, I think you're on this. I think you're in with us. Yeah, that's that's pretty strong. That's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, I'm very, very new to running. So it is not yet a thing I love, but I am very rewarding once you hit that point. (laughs) Takes a while to build. Takes a while. I know. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we're in with a guest. As you can hear, there's a third voice here. My friend, Eva Greenberg. Tell us about yourself. Who are you? I am a mom and a runner and the athletic director at Heathwood Hall. And and I've been thinking a lot, really, the last year and a half about sports and sports families. I, I am a sports family, but I was called in to say a prayer with a person, a 11th grader, starting his 11th grade year, who is having Tommy John surgery. And that kind of sparked some thoughts with me. As, as a non-sports person, what surgery is that? Tommy John is a surgery on the elbow. Very common in baseball players. And particularly pitchers. But okay. it is, it, it's a very common surgery. The first person to get it or do it was Tommy John. And so it's named after him. But it is a surgery that is preventable in many ways from two things. Rest, it is an overuse surgery, mm-hmm. and then proper technique. Throwing really, really hard, too young. Throwing certain pitches too young. It's a preventable surgery. And it kind of sparked this thing with me. And in full disclosure, even knows this, I'm a travel ball parent. My kids, my daughter is travel soccer and competes nationally in track and field events. And my son travels internationally and competes in cycling events. Yeah, they're both very high-level athletes. <laughs> but it's sort of a, it's a pot calling the kettle black. I, <laughs> I've been in the travel ball following this kind of thing. It also for, means you can have the conversation without throwing pot shots from the sidelines. Yes, I hope so. But I started thinking about sort of youth sports culture and high school sports culture and just some some one for-profit culture in it, some of the fun of the game being taken away from kids. And I just wanted to have a couple coaches in. So Eva's going to be in, and then the head football coach at Lugoff Elgin, Bill Bacon, is going to be coming in. And what those kind of factors do for our kids' spirituality and their souls as well. Yeah, just their well-being. Yeah. And so, anyway... Let's have a conversation. Yeah, it's a great topic. <laughs> We're so glad you're here. <laughs> yes, I'm happy to be here. But tell me a little bit about your both athletic background and then you're an educator. Athletic director is an educator. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been playing sports my whole life. I grew up playing soccer like Lydia and running. I used to compete in rock climbing, which is kind of a rare. Wait, did you really? I did. Okay, because that's actually my sport. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I haven't well, found a good climbing gym here yet, so I there's would love There's a new one opening up in KC. Like, literally, it just opened. It's bouldering. I, but... haven't, I haven't climbed in a very long time, but I would love I haven't to either, get back but, into okay, it. We'll, I'll yes, text that you. would be great. <laughs> All right, cool. We'll, um, we'll leave that in. But yes. That's, yeah, yeah. No, that would be great. But yes, running, soccer, rock climbing, horseback riding, softball. I tried basketball. I was quite bad at it, and I kind of said that. That's all I need of that sport. But, you know, I grew up playing sports and just being very active, like hiking and and biking with my family. 
I ran collegiately for a very competitive D3 program and then graduated from college and and knew I wanted to do something that had an impact on kids and wanted to stay with some sort of foot in the athletic space and wasn't quite sure what that would look like. And I ended up taking a job as the cross country and soccer coach and assistant athletic director at an all girls boarding school and loved it and have been doing it ever since. So working in athletic administration, I've taught a bunch of classes over the years. At the start of COVID, I was asked to like make up essentially a, a middle school art class, which was quite an interesting <laughs> challenge, <laughs> but was fun. It was fun to sort of like utilize online resources for that since it was an online class at the time. But, but yes, my passion really lies in, I think, not just athletics, but the sense of community and accomplishment and belonging that it can provide for kids. But to your point that you mentioned at the very beginning, I think there's also this real responsibility that we have to make sure the culture is healthy for those athletes, because what you want at the end of the day is for them to do that sport or that activity for the rest of their lives. You and I have spoken once before, and I, th I think you said, I mean, you're athletically, you're running now as well as you did in college. Yeah. Caitlin, when you mentioned the 5K that was hillier than you'd expected. Uh -huh. So I ran a half marathon five months pregnant here, like last year, didn't realize how hilly it was. And but I have a very deeply competitive streak. And I was like, I will not quit on this <laughs> thing. But in retrospect, I'm not sure I would recommend doing that again. But yeah, I think in college, I was still also figuring out like what I wanted to study and who my friend groups were. And so I didn't always commit to athletics as fully as I think I needed to, to hit the sort of results that I would have liked to mm -hmm. see. And so now I think I just, I dug deep into taking coaching clinics and talking with other professional athletes and coaches and trying to get a real sense of what it means to be fully committed to something to, or at least to mm -hmm. be able to be the very best at it that you can be. And so, yes, I'm, I would say I'm probably more competitive now than I was in college. Yeah. It's an interesting, I, I am certainly not. <laughs> but it's an interesting, it's, again, if you build that love from a young age, then mm -hmm. like there's a reason I still enjoy running. It's because I had great coaches. Right. And I'll say I come at it from the opposite end. I was a D1 swimmer and I get into the pool really once or twice a week. Mostly it's to lounge and there's typically a beer in my hand. That's the best way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> But the idea of swimming laps, the idea of, of chasing that black line, which is I mean, the line for at the that sport, you're making great time. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's I can't do it. Is there a reluctance there? There's a reluctance to it. There is, and I trying to parse that out with my own kids, my own kids' competitiveness, and and making sure that sins of the father don't don't hit and fall onto the kids. Yeah, I hear that. There's, I think, like this desire to encourage a drive that you see in your kids while also wanting to pull back mm -hmm. the reins where it's needed because mm -hmm. they're not going to see that big picture. And and then yesterday I was watching the world champ, not the world champ, the national championships of swimming are on right now. So cool. And so I was watching, there's a 16-year-old that hit Michael Phelps' 16-year-old time in the 200 fly. Very impressive, particularly because Michael did it, I believe, in a speed suit. And so this was a speed suit free. So some neat technology and changes that happened. But one of the things that I noticed, and this is something that I'm going to put out there for D1 athletes, particularly D1 athletes who are 25 plus years past your sport. I don't think I could coach swimming now. I think I could teach somebody to swim. 
I think I could probably coach a middle school team. I know I could coach a middle school. Are you offering? Because we'll um, always take extra coaches. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I could coach a middle school team, mm-hmm. but but the technique that I saw yesterday in the two hundred fly is vastly different than the technique I use in ninety nine. The underwater is better. the The swimmers in the two hundred flies were taking a breath every stroke. I was trained to take one every two, every three. Mm-hmm. That head down was faster. They've sports science, sports science says more oxygen in your muscles is better for the back end of a 200. Who knew? Hips, there's way more hips, hip movement in the butterfly than there was. Less side breathing. The technique that I saw in the finals of the 200 fly was different and far better than anything that I ever did. And I wouldn't know where to begin. And... I think there's a lot of parents that maybe overstep not realizing that sports change. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm like, I feel like you just handed me a big thing, a big can of worms to <laughs> open or not. But it's, I, I agree with you. I see that most often in sports that are team sports, but with an individual component. So wrestling, swimming, running, cycling. I think that techniques evolve, like you said, and also our understanding of what's needed for optimal training has evolved. And that's a, to me, that's a really critical piece of it. Like understanding that, you know, if you look at runners from 30 years ago, for example, like, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't avoid vegetables in your diet, for example, (laughs) or stick to fat and not protein. And I I think the shoes that we run in have Mm -hmm. significantly improved. I don't know the swimming world is certainly anywhere near as well as you do, but I think it's similar where there's just at a certain point you have to trust the people that are in the place of coaching and leading student athletes or to have those conversations and try to educate yourself if you feel like there's a reason to question what you see a coach doing. And it it is tough. You said this at the beginning, but there's such a, at least in the travel world, there's such a financial component that I think sometimes what you can see is parents who say, well, I'm paying for this, so I expect X results or I expect Y results. And um, somewhere in there, what I hate to see get lost is what best serves the kid, mm-hmm. the athlete, you know? And I think you you need coaches that that know that and trust that and have that best objective at heart. But you also need parents that believe in that process. You know, it, it has to be a, a partnership. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, and parent behavior, I think we all can click on the YouTube YouTube videos of parents yelling at, at, mm-hmm. at coaches, yelling at kids. Yep. Or the social media warriors that will let you know what they thought online after the fact. Yes, yeah. yes. And dads in the stands, y'all. When you say, I can't believe so-and-so dropped that pass, just know his mom might be sitting right behind you. Mm-hmm. Like, keep your mouth shut. And that he's a kid. Be positive. Yeah, they're kids. They're kids. He's there for fun at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, that, yeah, the, the behavior in the stands that you can see and hear sometimes, and that's just in sports the world over, blows my mind because I think if you recorded it and played it back to those people, they would be embarrassed by it after the fact. I think they would. Oh, I think they would. Yeah. So let's kind of turn this a little bit. What do you see? What would be your ideal student athlete? Hmm. It's an interesting question. I think that 
what I hope for, and, and I love this, this quote, to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift from that Pre is known for that quote. I, I think what I want is for athletes who give their best every day, but are also able to have, I think it's an, almost like a grit to understand that sometimes things aren't going to go well, a day's not going to go great. But if your teammate had a good day, if your team is vibing or doing well, like there's so many components to it outside of just the individual and that there's a, you have to be a little bit selfless, I think, to identify that and to recognize that. And so I want individual athletes, if I take running again as an example, since it's my primary sport, I want athletes that are going to work hard, but also be able to laugh it off if they have a bad day or at least go support their friends because that team culture and team dynamic will make or break the whole experience for everyone involved. And it's a good reminder that if you are having a bad day to someone else, that actually might still be a good day. Like a split that you're hitting on the track that's not what you would have wanted might be something that another athlete on your team is aspiring to. And so I mm. think there's this really good reminder that it's okay to have not great days as long as you can remember tomorrow could be better. Shake it off. Go be excited for the people that you're there with and, and strive for something better the next time. But yeah, I think people who can, I guess for me, an ideal athlete works hard and is kind and is gracious. And I want them to lose with grace and also to sort of say in their head, but next time I'm going to hit that target. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had a college coach who talked to me about the rule of thirds mm. and he spent a lot of time with that. Yeah. And a third of your workouts are just, nah, I did it. Like it was a good, it was good, you know, and those are the average workouts. Then you have a third of the workouts that are really good, where you're just like, man, I hit it. And then a third of the workouts that sometimes go bad. As long as you can stay in that rule of thirds, you will make progress. But it's hard when, it's hard when you, I mean, that was a coach working with me to talk, mm -hmm. talk to me about that. Yeah, you need, I think that relationship, that's where it's so key. Like you need to know that your coach sees that and can remind you of that on the bad days, right? That they can sit down with you and say, it's okay, shake it off. Let's, let's move forward to the next thing. And that the really good days are not the baseline. Right. Yes. Yeah. Those are the exceptional moments that you should be happy and proud of, but they're not expected or guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. I, I still remember a workout. So I was in marathon training and I had a 17 mile workout that I, this, I, this was a workout I ran in like 2018. So it's been a while and I still remember it because it was so good. And it, mm. like, it was just one of those days that like carried me through several weeks of really grueling, like frankly, kind of miserable training because I knew like that was that was what I was hoping to hit when it came to race day was that feeling. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So ideal sport kid, some grit, mm -hmm. understanding, ideal sport parent. Ooh, <laughs> I think you have to be supportive of your kid. And also know when to pump the brakes for them or when to pump them up. And that's a hard balance to strike, right? To recognize when a kid is disappointed and they just need to be reminded of the big picture or when a kid is disappointed and they need to be lifted up and, and encouraged, you know, for the next time to that rule of thirds, right? To be reminded of that. You know, if you think about everything that goes into, let's take a middle school or a high school athlete, everything that goes into their day, they're stressed out about academics or, you know, they're pushed academically throughout the school day. 
socially. I think they're figuring out like who their friends are, where they belong in the world. Um, if they have clubs or activities that they're involved in, that pulls them in yet another direction. And so what I want is for athletics to be the best part of their day. I want them to get out there and just be excited and ready to compete and ready to work hard, but also to have fun. And I want parents, hopefully, to recognize that so that they can figure out what their kid needs in the moment when they come home. If they're glum, why is that? Do you need to talk about it? Or do they just need some space to process and then move on? I think that sometimes we see patterns, like it can be cyclical with with kids. And so figuring out how to support them appropriately, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is a question that I, I, what what does a parent do if a parent, what's the process for an athletic parent who is not happy? Mm. I think it depends on what they're not happy about. Usually when I have upset parents who I speak with, it's to do with the coaching. And so that is where I feel like I have to do some research then to figure out how many, if I'm only hearing from a few parents, are there several more that just haven't taken the time to come speak to me? You know, is there, what's this, what's the athlete's perspective? What's the coach's perspective? I like to try to get a full picture so that I know the best approach for addressing the issue. Because I think that, of course, every story has multiple sides and multiple perspectives. But at the end of the day, if it's impacting the experience for a kid, something has to be fixed or addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which sometimes isn't always with the coach either. Right. Yeah, that's definitely true, too. I, it's not often that this happens, but sometimes I see parents who I think like get in their own kid's way, if that makes any sense, right? Because they're... Maybe it's their own dreams that they're trying to put on that kid, or maybe it's just this sort of blind desire to protect without necessarily seeing the whole picture. So again, that's not that's not standard, but it certainly can be a part of the conversation sometimes too with families. I think it's a yeah, that's a a hard thing. I know that watching my children compete, there's a there is an expectation and hope that D1 athletics is potentially in their future. Noah's sort of skipping that route. He's racing a different kind of sport. But like I watched Lydia and it's it's hard not to see that, you know, I got a cousin who played for Florida State baseball, another who was a cheerleader for Florida State. I swam, not for Florida State, for Western Illinois. My dad played baseball at a very high level. It It's hard not to look and be like, you really should go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's, but it's hard to mitigate sort of parental expectations, but also I think family culture expectations. So my grandpa was a scholarship swimmer for Florida State and a, a boxer. Holy crap. There's a lot of pressure that sort That's of stacks. Yeah. yeah. And so how does that, and I, navigating pressure mm-hmm. and expectation and fun is very difficult for any parent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a, that's like hitting the nail on the head, right, of trying to keep the fun, I think, at the forefront while also recognizing that if there are big aspirations in the kid's mind, you want to help promote that and help push them towards those goals. And and that's where I really think it's it's valuable for that coach-athlete relationship and the parent and, and child relationship to be 
at the center of it because that way you can read the kid and know what's needed in the moment. Like I think that's where you see the best coaching is with a coach who can see 15 different kids in front of them and recognize that what each of them needs is not always going to be the same thing. Some kids need to be pushed. It's just, it's the way, it's like what, it's what drives them, right? For some kids, they need that constant reassurance. You're doing great. You're doing well because it, there's a lot of self-doubt in their heads. Some kids are just out there to have fun, right? And so they should feel like they have a place too, even if they're not contributing in the same way as some of their more competitive teammates, there's still a place for them there in that team. But I, I, yeah, I think that's where you see the most successful coaching is when that relationship is at the forefront and is able to sustain the hard moments or the hard conversations. Yeah, that's a good school year is coming up mm-hmm. in four weeks. The fall season starts in four <laughs> weeks. The fall season starts. Holy wow. It's coming up fast. I know. One of the things that, that, the first fall season sports are, let's see, we got cross country, football, cheerleading, swimming, swimming, tennis, and golf. So they're coming. It's a fall season is a big season. And at this church, we got, I think we have a youth in every single one of them. One of the things that I think is, is important for parents, like I think the best way a parent can support their kid just physically during this time is nutrition. And so any favorite things that you like for, you know, for parents to, to think about when they're making their kids meals? Yeah, I think just balance, that balance is super important. If a kid is coming off of a hard workout day, lots of protein, some fats some veggies, you know, if a kid wants to go eat some junk, I don't see anything wrong with that as long as it's moderation too. But I, I think it's a good reminder that we're surrounded by information about food, right? It's just kind of constant. And certainly you'd see that with like influencers, for example, on social media. So to parents, I would say, remember that like your kids are probably just getting snapshots of that. So help is probably more needed than you might expect it to be. Mm. I, I think that you should get protein in within 30 minutes after a really hard effort, lots of hydration. It is amazing to me how many kids will show up to sports and they're like, I don't have a water bottle. It is 85 degrees outside and 90% humidity. What do you mean you don't have water? So it's, yeah, I I just, I think it's, I think, what's the word I'm looking for? Like purposeful eating, Mm -hmm. I think is really important, especially when you're, yeah, intentional when you're in season. It doesn't mean don't eat things that seem junky. It just means make sure that you're also getting everything else your body needs. And if you don't know what that looks like, go ask. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's a well, lot of great horses, resources yeah. out there. Yeah. yeah. And I'll I'll jump in on this point mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Gen Xers, millennial, like there's kind of a fuzzy line between our generations here. I know probably you and I, especially Eva, had the experience of every societal message when we were growing up being like, it has to be low fat. You have to be skinny. Like there there was just such a pervasive messaging about food being something that is shameful mm-hmm. and I know like I've had to spend a lot of time kind of deconstructing that in my own mind and reconstructing an appropriate relationship with food so I imagine something that needs to kind of be held in this too is like most of your parents are probably like about our age and balancing what your kid needs as an athlete against 
like some of those subliminal messages that you had about food and body and everything else and making sure that you're not putting that also on your kid who needs the fuel like food is fuel mm-hmm. food yeah. is not shame yeah absolutely well and it like i i like i like to eat i like cooking i like food and i just think there's so many good flavors out there there's so many good things out there that kids can eat so if you have a picky eater let's figure out together what they like maybe mm-hmm. it Maybe they have no interest in cooking or maybe they do, but that could be a family activity if you're meal planning. And then it gives you the chance to talk through the week ahead too of like, all right, you have a game or a meet on Friday. So like, what do we have to plan out for the week to make sure that you're not just eating well the day of, but in the whole week leading up to it. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And also that good muscle building <laughs> is not just unseasoned chicken breast and plain rice oh, and steamed broccoli right. or t- like, just time in the gym like it doesn't yes. just come from that right? yeah it's, it comes yeah. from the kitchen too it comes yeah from the kitchen and it comes from i sleep. see so many of those like weightlifter meals that just look so sad I know. they are well <laughs> they do <laughs> they do look sad i'm a big fan of of and for folks who want a resource jeremy lynn's the feed zone cookbook he was a chef that followed the tour de france team That's and so he cool. has all of his meals that he prepared for the team during the race, including bars that you can make yourself and eat yourself on runs or, or bike rides or for midday snacks. He has it. The whole thing is in there. So I'm a big fan of that resource. If anybody is looking for a book on fueling and food as fuel, I think it, that's a good one. I also really like Run Fast, Eat Slow Ooh. by Shalane Flanagan, who's oh, an Olympic amazing, runner. Yeah. yeah. She has made, I think it's two cookbooks now. I just have the first one, but it has some of what you're describing, like protein bars that you can just have on the go, how to eat a breakfast that will sustain you throughout the day, what healthy lunches and dinner options look like. She has a great cookbook. So that's another really great resource. I got to Isn't meet she her the once. one I She's a stud. She, she is, is like, a stud. I, I, I got to hang out with her for a little bit and like just a really nice person, but also like very determined, very strong, very mm. purposeful. Like, yes. Yeah. No, it's she's impressive. <laughs> yeah. She is. Am I, I remembering her correctly? She was the one that got diagnosed with like diabetes or something pretty late in her career. That does not ring a bell for me, which doesn't mean that you're not correct. Okay. There's a there's a competitive runner that I read something about. Yeah. That and and there was like a whole food element to it too of. That might have been where her cookbook came from. Yeah. That's entirely possible. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's she's very impressive. I, I work part-time for the Cherry Blossom 10-mile race that takes place in D.C. every mm-hmm. spring. Um, and I work with the elite female runners on race day. And that same thing, like, I'm such a starstruck but, person the day of. <laughs> really cool. The other thing that we've started doing in our house and, and- I think a lot of high school athletes need to hear this, and high school athletes' parents need to hear this, mm-hmm. is sleep. Yes. Sleep is so important. And we have a charging station. Denise and I have a charging station in our room. So during the school year, kids' iPads, computers, phones are charged in our bedroom. And so there's no screens. I rem- there's science behind this. This is not just being made up. Christian McCaffrey's parents and all the McCaffrey boys basically went to the NFL. They had a strict like 930 no devices and strict bedtime in their house for their kids all the way through high school. Yeah. Um, it's. I know. I totally <laughs> I agree. I People do not get enough sleep. It's so bad. It's so easy to just sit there and mindlessly scroll on a screen way too late into the night. 
So an injury and everything else. Mm-hmm. What should, and sort of we wind this down, what, what message do you want to hear? Like if you could give a message to the kids coming through your program or any program, what, what would be your hope for them? I think my hope for them is that they work hard, that they have dreams, that they have the support to try to hit. And when I say the support, I mean from their parents, from their teammates, from their coaches. But I also, at the end of the day, I want them to be able to look back on their time in high school or in middle school and to feel good about it. Hmm. Don't, you know, I don't want them to feel anything less than I gave that what I had and I feel good about the time that was spent, you know, that it was time well spent. Mm. I think that's important. Denise has two rules in our house for our hopes. And her first rule is that it's against the rules in our house to peak in high school. Totally love that one. Yes. (laughs) So that's her first rule is it's against the rule to peak in high school. Smiths do not peak in high school. And, And then the other that for both of our kids athletically, and I think you, you spoke to this, is that our results don't define us. Mm-hmm. The process and the journey towards the results do. Yeah, and absolutely. the friendships. I still have friends from my high school swim team. A couple of them will listen to this podcast. I think that the friendships and relationships you make along the way are really important. Yeah. More important than the results. Absolutely. You spend so much time with those teammates. They become your friends and they should become your friends because you're there to lift each other up. You're there to have fun with one another and to support one another, to kick each other's butts when it's needed. Right. But yeah, I if all you care about is the result and you get bumps along the way, it's going to make it a lot harder to know how to then move forward from those bumps. Mm. And on the other hand, if you enjoy the journey and the experience and the people you're on that journey with, it'll be so much more rewarding at the end of the day, you know? But yeah, I'm in, I have group text threads with friends I know from high school, from college, from my adult life, that most of whom I've met through sports. Yeah, and I think in, in sort of, this is say in the fields, I think to put the religious spin on it, I think that that's relationships either feed the soul or take away from it. Mm-hmm. And surrounding yourself with the people who build you up. And, and, and I'm a big fan of sort of the trinity of body, mind, and spirit. Having Surrounding yourself with people who build you up and help you in body, mind, and spirit is really important. And, and athletics is a unique thing in that I, I believe it can do all three. And I am a happy sports parent. I just get concerned every once in a while. Don't we all? Thank you, Eva. Yes. This was fun. This was fun. Thank you so much, both of you, for having me. Yeah. Shall we close in a prayer? Yeah. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have blessed us with the joy and care of children. Give us a calm strength and a patient wisdom as we bring them up, that we may teach them to love what is good and to rejoice in the gifts that you have given them. In your holy name, amen. Amen. This is a podcast of St. Martin's in the Fields in Columbia, South Carolina. Pay us a visit here on campus, come worship with us on Sundays, or visit us online at smifsc.com. 
Be sure to like, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your podcast channels. And leave a comment. Let us know if you like this episode, if you like this format. We want to hear from you. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs>